So this is the famous Suicide Squad. Well, we consider that term degrading. It's just lovely to spend some time together because we're always kind of working. And here's your steak, Mr. Schilling. And noodles with butter for you, Mr. Ray. Ah, my usual. Perfect. Shut up and listen, Jonah. I'm putting a team together. Dave, your steak looks really rare. It's taken a while, but I finally have them. The worst of the worst. Seriously, Dave, that, that steak, it's like fully bleeding. I mean, is it supposed to be purple? I'm assembling a task force of the funniest podcast hosts on the planet who I think can do some good. Ourselves, Mike Mitchell, and Nick Weiger of the Doughboy. Dave, why do you keep talking? Your steak just winked at me and it's grabbing my hand. Hey, baby. This is slime. Get it off. Oh, Tell it to get out the fuck off. I know. I ordered it special for this week's gore-tastic episode of Galaxy Brains. What? Today, we're talking Suicide Squad and movie theater dining with the Doughboy. Dave, it's burning my hand. Dave. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Just let it happen. He's actually quite friendly. It's all cool, baby. Anymore. He loves you. Look at him. He's giving you a little kiss on the cheek. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Galaxy Brains, the podcast where movies, TV, and overthinking collide. I'm Dave Schilling. And I'm Dave's weirdly intelligent rat friend, Jonah Ray. And each week on the show, we start with the logical brain, advance to the critical brain, question everything with the interrogation brain, and of course, arrive to the blessed state of the galaxy brain. Today, our intellectual dining companions are Mr. Slice, Mike Mitchell, and the burger boy himself, Nick Weiger of the Doughboys podcast. And we're talking about James Gunn's soft reboot semi-sequel, The Suicide Squad. But before we gear up for cranial combat, let's center ourselves in reality for a moment with another edition of Logic Brain. If you haven't seen The Suicide Squad yet, now's the time to parachute out of this episode. We're going to tell you all about what happened in this movie, which quite frankly is full of surprises. Yeah, like how they kill almost everyone in the first what, 20 minutes? Jonah, you gotta give people time to turn the podcast off. Also, to go give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Sorry, sorry, I, I, I jumped the gun a bit. Or did I jump the James gun a bit? Here's another spoiler alert for you. That's the worst joke in this entire episode. Ayo. 
Anyway, this semi-sequel to Suicide Squad features a mostly brand new cast of misfits and supervillains. Idris Elba plays Bloodsport, who's almost kind of, sort of, a little bit like Deadshot from the first one. I think his mask is cooler, though. I won't argue with that. There's also Polka Dot Man, Rat Catcher, Sylvester Stallone is the voice of King Shark, and my favorite guy of all, John Cena is Peacemaker. Sort of parody of the entire United States of America. I cherish peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women, and children I need to kill to get it. Plus, Margot Robbie is back as Harley Quinn, and Joel Kinnaman gets to come back for a cool death scene as Rick Flag. And, of course... Hey, guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. When it comes to the crew, though, it's not Ratcatcher, it's Ratcatcher 2. Although Ratcatcher does make an appearance, played by Taika Waititi. Ratcatcher 1 is her dad. This 90% new Suicide Squad is put into action by the returning Viola Davis as Amanda Waller to find and destroy a military installation in the South American island nation of Corto Maltese. That has a giant psychic starfish hidden inside it. That's right. It's a mouthful, isn't it? This is a, a very elaborate story. When you think about the details, but in reality, it's just they got to go blow something up. That's really what happens in this movie. All the good guys got to go blow something up. And that's what happens. And that monster's name, that disgusting starfish creature, is called Star of the Conqueror, which is apparently a DC Comics character. This giant starfish man, he is stolen from space. They are. We don't know. Star of the Conqueror, they are stolen from space. That's a good point. We don't know if he's a man or a, a woman or if the e-starfish in space have genders at all. We really don't know. We do know that he's able to replicate himself by squirting like tiny versions of himself out of his armpit, which is disgusting. It's so gross. I don't understand why it had to be so gross, but I loved it. Well, Jonah, to answer that question, we're going to have to leave our logic behind and make the trans warp jump into critical brain. This is truly, I think, Jonah, a return to form for James Gunn, who made his mark in Hollywood doing gross movies for Troma, doing the movie Slither. Tromeo and Juliet. Slither. That was his first like kind of big movie. I mean, he was he was wallowing away in the, you know, Lloyd Kaufman Tromaverse for a while. And Lloyd Kaufman is in this film. Lloyd Kaufman is to James Gunn movies as Stanley was to Marvel movies. So you always have to look out for a Lloyd Kaufman cameo and that stuff. Gunn is really showing his roots with this, which is also a funny thing I'm realizing to say because he did let himself go uh, gray during the pandemic. Yeah, good for him. I mean, I did the same thing. That's what I tell everybody is, oh, you know what? I'm going gray and I'm not going to dye my hair. I'm a real adult. So good for James Gunn doing that. And good for him making this awesome movie where it's so brutal, so bloody, and so disgusting that I wanted to barf half the time. King Shark ripping someone in half and that kind of silhouette where you see the goopiness of the stuff come apart. It was fun, you know, the heads being smashed in or blown apart and stuff like that. But just good, like, good all-around violence, you know? I think the, the thing that grossed me out the most is when Harley Quinn goes inside of Star of the Conqueror's eye. <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay, yeah, the, the javelin that she gets from um, from the, the villain javelin played by Flula Borg in the opening scene clearly is going to be used to kill the starfish. But I thought she'd just, like, throw it or something, you know? Just like, oh, his eye is sensitive, and that's the thing that's going to knock him off. But going inside and then allowing the rats to come inside and then chew away very fibers of the starro. They ate the little starfish bastard from the inside. It was disgusting. It's so sick. For that, you get a wide shot of just the blood filling up in the eyeball. Just the blood shot. Oh, yeah. 
swishing around inside. And while that's happening, King Shark is eating his arm. He's eating Starro's arm. Yes, that's right. Oh, boy. It was fun. It was fun, wasn't it? Weirdly, Sylvester Stallone is the voice of King Shark. What the heck is that about? Sylvester Stallone doing a great job of doing his Vin Diesel's Groot. (laughs) Vin Diesel is Groot, yeah. There's a reason why I think these, these big stars are playing these kind of monosyllabic parts. It's because it's easy. It's pretty simple to just show up and be like, I'm hungry, and then go home. But Stallone and Vin Diesel both have incredibly recognizable and powerful voices. Sylvester Stallone brought some sort of actual gravitas to it and really made King Shark pop from this movie. See that? It's pretending to read a book. So smart, me. Enjoy books so much. So a question I have for you, Jonah, is let's say we were going to make like our own sort of animal character in one of these movies. Let's say Batman has a a pet rabbit or Superman's dog Crypto the Superdog shows up in the DC Comics universe. Who would play Crypto the Superdog? I would say probably the best person to play Crypto the Superdog would be Emo Phillips. I think that would be a good voice. Uh, You know, you got to get someone that was, you know... (laughs) A little out of left field. And so it's like, you know, just crypto going like, up, up, and away. You know, that's, <laughs> that's a good dog voice, I think. What about other DC Comics pets? You got Coco the Space Monkey. So that could be done by, let's bring in, how about uh, The Undertaker? Wrestling Undertaker. Coco the Space Monkey. I have a deep, dark voice like this. I don't know. I don't think a monkey should talk like that. What about uh, uh, Comet the Super Horse? A horse? There's a real horse character in DC Comics? Comet the Super Horse. Comet. That sucks. I don't want to see that. But who should voice it? It's not up to us to say. I know. I understand. Let's see. Uh, Clint Eastwood. I don't know. He's super old. Uh, Streaky the Super Cat, I think. These are real, by the way. You're not just making this up. Yeah, these are all real. Streaky the Super Cat. Streaky the Supercat, I would say Megan Mullally as Streaky the Supercat. There you go. There's that one. I, I guess it's kind of a nasally voice like this. Yeah, I mean, that's a streaky. Yeah, streaky. Cat-like. I feel like there's a catty vibe to that. Okay, are there any more obscure animal characters that you've got? There's uh, Ampersand. Now, this is a Vertigo comic, Why the Last Man, but that is a DC imprint. Is that the monkey in that? Yes, that's Marcel monkey. So I was thinking like Marcel, like the same kind of monkey. That's like a spider monkey that came from Friends. So we get Ross. Oh, my God. We get David Schwimmer to do the voice of Ampersand in Why the Last Man. That's a really great idea. I wonder if they're going to do that. You know, the, the show's coming out soon. That's true. On FX, which we might talk about on the show as well. If they got David Schwimmer, that's a coup. Yeah. You know who they can't get now because he's too big of a star is John Cena, who is fantastic in this movie as Peacemaker. I always hit my targets dead center. Hit them more in the center. They call something more in the center. I use smaller bullets. What? They go inside your bullet holes without even touching the side. You know, we talked a couple episodes ago in the Jungle Cruise episode about the burgeoning professional wrestler actor transition industry and John Cena seems to be rocketing up the charts quickly passing up Batista who was in Guardians of the Galaxy as the next big thing it's the first time I finally got it yeah people have been loving this guy for years uh, you know they've liked him in blockers and all that stuff and uh you know Amy's movie Trainwreck and I just uh 
and I, I didn't get it, but I find that this, it was perfect for him because of how kind of stilted Peacemaker was. But then what blew me away was when, you know, Flag says, Peacemaker, what a joke, like as Peacemaker is killing Flag. And the look on John Cena's face, he was doing so much. He was doing so much with his face right there without saying a word. And it was an amazing performance. And so I am on the John Cena train now. Well, as I said in, in our, our Jungle Cruise episode, one of the great things about pro wrestlers is they know how to use their face because their face is really the most important part of their body when they're doing professional wrestling. You think it's the moves and the execution of the moves, but really what it is is the selling of the violence, the selling of the emotion during a match with your face into the camera. And so he is superb at it. The Rock is great at it too. So is Batista. And I got to say also that John Cena is better when he's playing a bad guy when he is playing in a, a nasty kind of edgy character or he's making fun of how squeaky clean he is like he is in Blockers. I love that movie. I think it's one of the most underrated comedies of the last decade and he's a big part of it. But when he tries to play straight up good guys in movies, it's just not right. It just doesn't, it's, it feels wrong unless he's doing comedy and he's really good at comedy. He's really good at knowing how to mock himself. So I can't wait for the Peacemaker show. I think it's going to be really awesome. James Gunn is uh, writing, I think, all of the episodes and directing most of them as well. So it should be a journey on par with this movie in terms of quality. Yeah, it feels like it. Okay, as I mentioned, this is a kind of sequel, reboot, sort of remake. There's no word for what this movie is, but it's a continuation of the Suicide Squad movie directed by David Ayer. And I guess, you know, I must have wished this into existence from the monkey's paw that I bought from this open-air market in New Mexico because I don't know why they made a sequel to that movie that nobody liked. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, I guess wishes do come true every once in a while, right? This is why when you see a monkey's paw at an open-air market in New Mexico, you buy the thing. So don't ever let somebody tell you, ah, oh, that monkey's paw, it's dangerous. Don't mess with that stuff. Don't you, Black magic is bad. It's not bad, folks. Because I got a Suicide Squad movie that was really fucking awesome. Yeah, but just don't like wish anything for yourself personally. You know, that's when it can get bad. Yeah, you're right. Suicide Squad is for all of us. It's not just for me. This is a movie that the entire world can enjoy. One of the things that I loved about this movie compared to the first one is that they really do make the name Suicide Squad make sense. Like they kill half of the characters straight up in the first 20 minutes, as we alluded to, there are a lot of recognizable faces that end up being just cannon fodder for the first act of the movie, for the first scene, really, of the movie. Brilliant idea to get, like, it's like to tell people that Michael Rooker's in this, Nathan Fillion's in this. Pete Davidson. So you get, like, all these, like, big names, and then you just 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 kill them all, and it's perfect. It's, it's a perfect idea for the movie itself, but also for marketing in general, because no one knows that's going to happen. And then like, you get to put them on the poster, and you get to have them do press, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you got people who are Ariana Grande fans going to see a Pete Davidson movie. I appreciate that they made that effort. But yeah, I did not care for that last one, and this one was just super fun, and it still gave you emotional stakes, and it still gave you bigger things to talk about. That's what the James Gunn is really good at is just that idea of we can still have fun. You know, he has a spoonful of sugar for every heavy thing he's talking about, which is American imperialism, colonialism, father-daughter issues. You brought up dads and moms. So this seems like a really good opportunity for us to segue into Galaxy Dads. <laughs> Who 
is your daddy and what does he do? Galaxy Dads, where we talk about how do the dads in this movie scale? Every movie now has to include some sort of daddy issues. Let's start with our first dad, our most important dad, our lead character. That is Idris Elba as Bloodsport. Next time you want to nick something, you take a partner and they can be your lookout. That's your advice. Yeah. You're a terrible father. We don't really get to see parents and children fight, especially not parents like a dad and a daughter. Like in um, Justice League with Flash and Flash's dad, Barry Allen's dad, where it's this very maudlin kind of like, I just want you to give up on trying to rescue me from prison and just go have a life for yourself. I love you so much, son. Whereas in this movie, he's just like, How, what, you got arrested for stealing? Like, I, that was a really refreshing kind of relationship. Yeah, it was a super dramatic scene, did a lot of great storytelling, uh, establishing Idris Elba's character, motivation, but also was still like super kind of realistic and funny and dramatic. It was a perfect scene. It was a perfect scene. It was everything. Yeah, it gave you so many different emotions. And he might not have been a perfect dad. He might have been, you know, an assassin for hire. But that's how he was raised too. So he didn't know and he wasn't expecting to be a dad. And um, his his heart is in the right place, kind of. Like, you know, he, he knows she'll be better off without him because how much sadness and chaos he could bring. So uh, I'm going to put blood sport in the... Um, yeah, I'm going to put him in. I'll put him at a five. That's exactly what I was going to say. A five. Yeah, I think he he did a lot of good and a lot of bad. So he doesn't fall into the negative, but I can't give him a positive rating. I can't pass him as a father. No. Though there is that the scene of his daughter, Storm Reed, who plays the, the daughter in this movie, watching the news and kind of remarking to herself how, how great it is that her dad, you know, is a hero and, and did the right thing. So for that, it keeps me out of the negative territory. Otherwise, I think without that redemption, he's he's a four. Uh, our next dad is the character you mentioned earlier, Ratcatcher One, played by Taika Waititi. He is a kind of a bohemian sort of scientist living in Portugal. And uh, he teaches his daughter the technology that she will use to command the army of rats throughout Corto Maltese, where the third act of the movie takes place. You know what I think? I think you have a serious case of daddy issues. I have no issues with how much I love my father. I think Ratcatcher 1, for me, is a 7. Oh my god. Okay. I think he really cared about his daughter. He knew he had a debilitating disease, an addiction to heroin, and he was trying his best to like, he was trying to parlay some kind of knowledge onto her before he knew that this disease, this addiction would take him. And so that's why I'm going to put him at seven because he truly did want to take care of his daughter. He truly loved her. And just he he couldn't pull himself up and out of it. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, there's there's not a lot of sympathy for people who suffer from addiction, who have that disease in our society. And we kind of, we sneer at them and we say, well, can't you just get it together, bud? What's wrong with you? Get it together. Dust yourself off, pal. Kick it, why don't you? Come on. So anyway, <laughs> I think that scene at the end where she flashes back to them sitting on sort of some sort of building, watching fireworks in a festival in Portugal. Uh, it was really affecting and really moving. And Taika did a great job of selling that moment. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to agree with you and go seven. I think that's a good number. Now, there's not only uh, Galaxy Dads in this, there's some Galaxy Moms. So let's talk about the Polka Dot Man's mom. Polka Dot Man's mother is a fascinating plot point here, an interesting character decision. My mother was a scientist at Star Labs, and she was obsessed with turning me and my brothers and sisters into superheroes. 
She infected me. To have him be motivated by his hatred for his mom. The whole polka dot man mom issues was incredible. Those were amazingly like well shot, funny sequences. So whenever he's fighting or he's in a, a crisis situation, he sees his mother on the people that he's fighting, which leads to quite a few surreal moments that pays off at the end where he sees his mother as Starro the Conqueror. So Jonah, I'm going to have to give Polka Dot Man's mama zero. I'm going to give her zero as well. Exploiting the youth is no good in my book. I'm going to take a stand on this, Dave. (laughs) Exploiting children, especially your own, no bueno. Now, Jonah, you know, I have said before, we don't get political on this show. So you're really- We've made a a point not to get political. You're right. You're right. But like, I think if any time, the time is now to take a stand. All right. Well, I mean, I'm just going to put a disclaimer on this, this episode that it's very controversial. There is one final parent in this film that we should talk about, Jonah. I'm not sure if you've thought about it this way. Hmm? Starro the Conqueror is technically a parent. Oh, good point. Good point. Because it ejects these little tiny creatures from its armpits that then latch onto your face. And then you become an extension of Starro's consciousness. So in a way, these are all kind of like little clones, like mini me clones. A little bit of elements of like a zombie behavior and the people with little Starro's on their face. It's also just disgusting, Joda. It's so gross. This movie is simply too gross for words. Just the rats alone were too much for me. But James Gunn movies, though, they've never been for the faint of heart, Dave. Okay, but I was trying to eat during this movie. I'm shoving junk food in my mouth while Starro the Conqueror is squirting little babies out of his space vagina. That is not okay. Okay, how can you pay attention to a film if you're knuckle deep in some curly fries? If I miss something, I'll just ask my seatmate. Oh, so you like to talk during movies, huh? Okay, so forget Star of the Conqueror. The real monster is you, Dave. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Did the host of Mystery Science Theater 3000 just tell me not to talk during a movie? That's different. They're paying me for that, and I'm really good at it. Uh-huh. Well, maybe if I was a cute robot, you let me talk during movies too, Jonah Heston. Oh, shit, Dave, that monkey's paw you bought. A finger is curling up. Look. Hello, Jonah. It's your old pal, the Dave-Bot 2.0. I've been upgraded for two purposes. To execute seamless podcast segues and to talk during feature films. I told him not to fuck with that monkey's paw. When we come back, I'll have Wish Dave back into existence so that we can all talk about movie theater dining with Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell of my boycotted podcast, The Doughboys. Segway efficiency rating. 7.4. 7.4? That's that's barely better than Ratcatcher 1. Numbers do not lie, Jonah. You're not the galaxy dad. Welcome back to Galaxy Brains. We've stuffed our faces with brilliant movie analysis. Now it's time to gorge on an even meatier topic, movie theater dining. I could barely stomach eating during the Suicide Squad, but our guests have made a career out of eating in all manner of awkward situations. To figure out the etiquette behind movie theater dining, we're joined by the spoon man himself, Mike Mitchell, and his trusty companion, Nick Weiger, from the Doughboys podcast. Fellas, thank you 
for coming on the show. Hi. What's up? Thank you for having us. Of course. I mean, I couldn't think of better people to come on and talk about the disgusting, rancid, rank movie, The Suicide Squad. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But it was just nasty to look at. (laughs) As guys who like to go out and, and have a nice meal on the town, how do you justify eating during a movie this disgusting? Great question. Makes me hungrier. <laughs> you get hungrier when you see a guy's head explode or a talking shark ripping someone in half? God, I just need to have a hoagie right now. There is like a very gratuitous moment in it where the shark does eat something like a specifically a head, a human head. Yes. Yeah, he's gnawing on that thing for like 20 minutes. Yeah, he's like gnawing on a head. That's about as gross as it gets. But I've sadly never been bothered by seeing gross. Like it's never made me, it's never really bothered me too much. Yeah, I think part of the, I think just being a disgusting person makes it easier. Like if you just already are inherently disgusting, like that allows me to like do something disgusting while I'm watching something disgusting and there's no contradiction. So it it kind of relaxes you to see a shark chewing on a head like a Charleston chew candy. With the eyes still twitching, we should mention is really. Yes. That's the the thing that really puts it over the top. Yeah. He's like looking up. He's like realizing what happened. It is. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. Right. The DMT hasn't hit yet. So I want to ask just to set the table. What did you guys eat? Because you both went to the theater to see this movie, correct? That's right. I was going to watch it on HBO Max, and then I checked in with my lovely wife, and she was like, oh, I'd I'd see that in a theater. So we we said, fuck it. We braved Delta and went for it. Wonderful. Here's my big thing with movies, and this is an opinion that I probably get more hate for than anything. And I'm a stop the steal guy. Like, I'm like, you know, so so that this is saying something. <laughs> well, Mitch was also at the January 6th insurrection, right? Just watching. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you and Ariel Pink just watching. I was just watching. But people get so mad because I don't like popcorn. And a big part of that for me is I don't like being greasy and like sitting in my own. As, as disgusting as I am, I don't like being greasy in a movie theater and having greasy hands and a greasy face. And the other thing is like I hate having anything stuck in my teeth. I know that's that's pretty universal. But with me in particular, I can't focus on anything else. So if I'm trying to watch a movie, you know, for 120 minutes and I've got like a, a kernel like stuck between a couple of my molars, I, I can't. I'm like – I'm completely out of it. So uh, popcorn is usually no for me. I generally opt for a pretzel or nachos, and nachos is the direction I went with on this visit. And let me tell you this. The AMC movie nachos, which I was a little bit skeptical about because they're pretty, you know, processed and and they're not a traditional nacho, but they are pretty perfect for movie theater consumption. I often think of those nacho cheese is at like baseball games or, or movie theaters to be akin to butter, that it's more like someone's drizzled butter on chips than the tang, the the sharpness of real cheese. You you don't feel that that problem. No, I definitely it, it it is like, you know, you're dipping a chip into some margarine, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's a little hint of cheese. It's kind of got that savory cheesy character to it. Here's what I'll say about the AMC movie nachos in particular. So first off, they're giving you the Tostitos Rounds Mini. Yep. So those all fit very cleanly into the dipping cup. You don't ever have an issue where like, oh, my my chip is breaking because it, it's a little too this this triangle is a little too big to get in here. Or, you know, I can't I I'm getting a partial dip that's pretty unsatisfying for the surface area of this chip. You're getting a great proper dip with every single chip. And then also 
They give you two dipping sauce cups when you really only need one for that quantity of chips, which I love. Give me more. Give me too much sauce. Give me too much dipping. Give me too much condiment. Like if I'm having chips and guacamole, I want too much guac. I don't want to run out of guac and have surplus chips. And that's exactly what they did with the movie nachos. Have you ever thought about pouring the cup onto the chips and then whatever remainder you have left, you dip? Yeah, the cereal milk approach. Uh, the issue there is more just messiness. Like I mentioned earlier, especially in, in the context of a movie theater, I don't want to be ooey gooey. Jesus. I don't, I don't want to be all sticky in there. That's a problem even if you're not getting food. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get a clean dip? No, being all sticky in the theater. Sorry, bitch. What did you eat? Tell me what you ate. I was going to say this to Nick. I'd rather have more dip to cover all the chips, but there is something very satisfying with you finishing the dip with your last chip. That's per- that's perfection. That's the dream. I mean, that's that's what should happen. Yeah, that's the eye of God you're seeing there. <laughs> Get it right, science. I don't know what you have to do, but figure it out so that you, it's the last chip with the dip, which AMC should be able to do. Is that where you were, Wags, in AMC? Yeah, it was at the AMC. I got specifically the AMC movie nachos. At AMC, I'll do, for food, I'll do like a hot dog. If I'm not doing a popcorn, I'll usually do like a hot dog if I add on add on food. But I went to a theater where the sky's the limit. It's like the Wonka of movie theaters. I went to Alamo Draft House. Oh, my God. In downtown L.A. Decadent. Mm-hmm. I got myself a spread. I got a pirate punch to start, and then I went with the the classic there, which is uh, the Royale with cheese. Oh, yes. Yes, which is a cheeseburger, basically. And then I got myself a bottomless popcorn. <laughs> I can't stand you saying this word. <laughs> Grammy, can I have a popcorn and a hot dog? I'm sorry, bitch. Everyone's made fun of you for this already a million times over. I just can't get over it. It's just been broken forever. I, I can't do it. But but look, I got it with butter and I asked for light salt. They really salt up the butter. I, I'm, I'm sorry. They really salt up the popcorn. Thank you, sir. There you go. At Alamo Draft House. Because they know they're going to make their nut from the drink. That's what the salt is all about. Well, not for me, because I also I got the bottomless soda, which I got. I got a Coca-Cola. So that was after the Royale with cheese. But Alamo has like it has really great food. If you like that setup, Wags, I don't know how you feel about it because people are kind of walking and taking orders and stuff like that. Like you do, you do feel that a little bit when you're at the theater. And I don't know if I don't know if that's a thing that bugs you. I've been to the Alamo Draft House one time, and it was in Austin when we were at Doughboys tour, actually. And uh, you and me and John Gabris went and saw the Johnny Depp train murder movie, M- Murder on the Orient Express. Yes, yeah. And I did find it disruptive. I did find that was the thing. Like, I didn't give a shit about that movie, really. So it, it was fine for for there. But if it was a movie I really wanted to lock into, I think I'd be a little bit annoyed by the, you know, they're just doing their job. But it's just it's just people walking back and forth in your line of sight. I do love that it it does feel like a place that, like, loves movies. And that does that does seem genuine, I, I think. But. I I don't know. I, I'm 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 kind of with you on it that it just is. It can be distracting, but I mean, outside of AMC, which I also kind of I love AMC for what it is. But outside of that, like ArcLight right now is shut down. They say that the one on Sunset maybe is going to come back by from the same owners, but there's no other place that really that just kind of feels like a cool movie theater experience outside of AMC, which is. You know what AMC is. AMC is, it's like the hmm, the Burger King of, of movie theaters or something. I, I, it's not a bad thing. I like I, I, I like it, and I like going to AMC sometimes, but it is the Wild West of, of movie theaters. I went to um, the AMC Century City to see this movie, and I ordered 
the popcorn. But I, I'm like you, Nick. I don't like getting kernels in my teeth. I find it distracting. Well, hold on a second. I want to interject and say, sure. I don't know. I don't know anyone who likes getting kernels in their teeth. Yeah, it's a universally miserable experience. Oh, there's some freaks. Weiger thinks that there are people who like to get kernels in a seat. That's what he's trying to say. Who is that? Who is this person? There's some freaks who are into that shit. Steve Bannon? Jared Fogle from Subway? I don't know why he's on my mind, but like... <laughs> he always seems to come up when the Doughboys are around. I feel like it's like the subject they want our take on. One of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in a movie theater is I sat down and I went to put my drink in a cup. And this was at the Landmark, which is Mark Cuban's chain. I love that Landmark on Pico near Westwood, like Rancho Park. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's a good theater, but it's not well trafficked. And I saw Pig there recently, and it felt like a ghost town. Yeah. At this Landmark, I sat down, and in my cup holder was a used piece of floss with a popcorn kernel. Jesus. Like someone had, like, taken floss out of their bag and, you know, used it in their seat like a fucking animal and then just left it there. That's rank. Okay, that's more disgusting than the Suicide Squad. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Yeah, I would rather see King Shark eat that guy's head again. So I want to ask you guys a question. I'm going to pivot because our time is short. Mm -hmm. Let's say I give you some hypothetical movies. I would like to hear what your ideal meal pairings would be for these films. Wow. Love it. Like the perfect dining experience with these movies that have been in theaters already, but, you know, let's say they come back. Uh, pizza. <laughs> okay, anyway, here we go. The Shape of Water. Ooh. I think you got to go some sort of soup for this one. Yeah, you want a big old bowl, big fat bowl, big bowl of pho or something. So I can really slurp on. Okay, like seafood pho though, right? Sure, yeah. Because this is a movie about fucking a fish. Yeah, yeah. I think shrimp. I think you need to get shrimp involved. Yeah, absolutely. So here's my thing: if if this is more like an AMC or something, or should we just go wild? Should this be like what we're like? No matter this, we're at the Alamo Draft House. This is a fantasy theater. Yeah, this is your ideal, your perfect moment. Wow, fantasy theater. Okay. I would say that there may be popcorn shrimp. Popcorn shrimp. I was also going to say, I think a detail from that movie is that the the freak that the uh, lady does the nasty with. <laughs> the freak. The ocean man. That was the point of that movie, right? Abomination of nature. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right, we realize that thing is cursed. He likes he likes whole hard-boiled eggs, right? That's his thing? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you got to have some hard-boiled eggs as well, just for continuity with the movie. I'm going to go Cobb salad. Oh, that's good. Cut that thing up, put it on a bed of lettuce. There we go. Good recall there, Wags. Jeez. Thank you for seeing the movie recently. That's the only way you would know that. How about, how about this? I, I, I got a pitch. A shrimp Cobb salad. There you go. Okay, so we just combine it all into one big mess. Yeah, I like that. Kind of like the movie. Okay, so next up, Inception. Ooh. You want a thing in a thing. A Russian nesting doll of food. I think like a quesarito, right? Like you want like a tortilla and then a layer of cheese and then another tortilla and then a mm, yeah. Then your burrito stuffing's inside, something like that. I'm going turducken. Oh, turducken's great. Wow. What about something that's like aged? You know what I mean? Like, like a moldy cheese? Some sort of blue cheese would, would work well. Or also like a Scottish egg wags if you're putting stuff inside of stuff. Ooh, a Scotch egg is delicious. Yeah, I, for those who don't know, a Scotch egg is breaded egg, but also uh, inside there is ground beef. That's a lot of fun. Maybe we could pull up like a, a 67 Merlot from our wine cellar. Hey, there we go. That's aged. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. It, since we're on the topic of things inside of things, popcorn. Okay, hear me out. Popcorn. But the bottom, you cut a hole 
you cut a hole in the bottom, and then you put your penis in there. And then when you start eating, eventually someone reaches down and grabs your penis. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Sorry. But don't surprise him with it. You got to give him a heads up in 2021. <laughs> yeah, this is fully consensual. No, they're into that shit. First of all, like the idea that like you're flaccid, like a flaccid penis. I, so, yeah, how do you stay erect the whole time? I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much about that so-called, I'll put it in quotes, trick or whatever this was at one point. That just doesn't work out for me. Wags, by the way, there's a big hog sighting in, in Suicide Squad, and you and I were debating whether... There's actually two, guys. There's two hog sightings. Is there two? Apparently, you see the um, the weasel's dick at some point. Oh, I, I missed the weasel's dick. I know, but there's another ding-dong. I'm going to have to comb through the movie to see that. We were arguing whether the, the other uh, other hog was real or not, which we're not sure if it was real or not. Well, we'll have James Gunn on the show, and he can tell us. All right, all right, good. Yes, we need to get to the bottom of this. James, if you're listening to the show for whatever reason, please let us know, is that a real ding-dong or is that uh, some sort of CGI crank? Or a prosthetic. Could be old school. Yeah, it could have been a rubber one like from Boogie Nights. I wonder where you can find that. <laughs> I know we've gotten off topic quite a bit, but I wonder if that's like in the Smithsonian or at the Hollywood Wax Museum or something. I hope it's on display at an Alamo. <laughs> yeah. That- <laughs> You walk through, there's like the dolls from The Shining and like <laughs> Kirk's jacket from Star Trek 2 and then a big wiener. <laughs> All right, last last movie pairing, food pairing before we go. Caddyshack 2. Wow. Yeah, this is the one with Jackie Mason and Dan Aykroyd. You swap Dangerfield for Mason. Yep. And you swap Murray for Aykroyd. Upgrade, downgrade, not us to say. Not our responsibility to tell you if it's a better or worse movie. We're talking about food here. There's some Caddyshack 2 defenders. <laughs> so what you really want is something that is different than what you expect. They've made some changes. I mean, I think for a beverage, you got to have some new Coke. Yeah, yeah. Some some sort of like ripoff, some lesser carbon copy of a beloved thing. That's a perfect idea. Give me a Mr. Pib instead of a DP. I like that thought, but I got, I got another... Um, a club sandwich, a steak club sandwich. You ch- you, sw- you switch out the turkey Ooh. or the chicken for some steak. Now that's fun. Okay. Okay. I like that. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think Aykroyd's character in the movie is like, he has like a food truck. If so, he was on the vanguard of that movement. That was 1988. Well, it was sort of more like, you know, the food food trucks back in the day. So like an old school, like catering truck that had. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm misremembering this. If I'm misremembering Caddyshack 2, please call in to our hotline. Call in and tell us I fucked up. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Probably the 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 worst possible reason to be canceled. Misremembering plot details of Caddyshack 2. Might as well be for something I believe in. <laughs> Why is David Skankfest? <laughs> well, because he fucked up Daddy Shack 2, and now he's he's doing his podcast at Skankfest. Just like January 6th, I'll be there, but I'll just be watching. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you guys so much for joining us. This was a blast and a half. Thank you for watching Suicide Squad. Thank you for sharing your food tips. Uh, And we'll post those on the social media so that everybody knows what you guys eat. All right, guys. Thank you so much again. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, thank you. See ya. All right. So as you know, each week we wrap up the show with a galaxy brain take from one of our listeners. Here's one now from Justin in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Hey, guys. This is Justin from Fort Smith, Arkansas. 
Now, I know this isn't going to be about like your next week's episode or anything, but it got me thinking. I read an article about the reboot of Frasier, and just stick with me on this one, guys. So in the article I read, it's supposed to be written as Frasier becoming a rich beyond his wildest dreams, and we don't know how he's supposed to get there. What I was wondering is, could you connect the Frasier universe with the cinematic masterpiece that was released last year that was called Money Plane, also starring Kelsey Grammer, in which he plays Darius Ignatius Grouch III, a.k.a. The Rumble. Could be Frazier changes his name after he gets rich and turns to a life of crime. Who knows? So I'm just wondering your take on that. I would love to see it personally. Love the show, guys. Thanks. Justin, you're fucking nuts. I got to jump in here real quick. Hold on. I appreciate this idea, but my man, his name is Darius Emmanuel Grouch III, also known as the Rumble. Okay, we got to get that right. This is a classic movie, Money Plane. Wait, what the fuck is Money Plane? What am I missing out on? I don't understand. You've never seen Money Plane? No. Oh boy. All right. Well, let me just read you a quick plot synopsis of Money Plane. Jack Reese, a professional thief and former gambler, attempts to steal a painting called The Disturbing Duckling from an art museum. He fails, and then he is confronted by notorious gang leader Darius the Rumble Grouch at his house, who has hired Reese and his crew for the heist in the first film. Already in debt to Darius, he is uh, required to do one final job, to sneak aboard the money plane, an airborne casino that caters to elite criminals, in order to steal its reserves of cryptocurrency and hard cash. And there is a classic monologue from Kelsey Grammer from the one day he did of work on this movie where he says, you want to see a guy fucking alligator? Money plane. What the fuck? And that is the only thing, the only entertaining part of this terrible B movie. I have never heard of this. I am fascinated. It's because you're not on Twitter. Oh, is that what? This was a Twitter thing last year and you had already gotten off of Twitter. People were sharing this clip Everybody got really excited about the movie. It was like, oh, oh, money playing. That's so that's such a funny clip from that movie. I bet it's gonna be like a laugh a minute, like camp classic. No. Well, to answer your question, Justin. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. I just wanted to throw money plane under the bus for a second. Yeah, just to answer your question. Sure, why not? <laughs> We've said enough. I'm excited for the Frasier reboot. I really am. I don't think I agree with this idea that Frasier is going to be a super rich guy. That's boring. What I want to see is Frasier living with his son, with Frederick. And Frederick is now taking care of Frasier the way that Frasier took care of Martin. But uh, whoever is making the show, this Frasier reboot, if you're listening, I am available to write on the show. Just let me know. If you want to call in and to give us theories about the Frasier reboot or Beverly Hills Cop 4 or whatever you want to talk about, we'd love to hear your galaxy brain take. Maybe you want to talk about next week's topic, which is Free Guy, a movie that also stars Taika Waititi, shockingly. Our number is 213-570-8069 and is also listed in our show notes. Give us a call, leave us a voicemail, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If we really love your review, we'll read it on the podcast while doing an Austin Powers impression. Yeah, baby, yeah. Awesome Powers impression, not guaranteed. That's a wrap on this week's Galaxy Brains. Next week, Ryan Reynolds realizes he lives inside a video game. Oh, no, that's too bad. Which game? Double Dragon? No, no, this is the plot of the movie Free Guy, Dave. 
Okay, that's good because Double Dragon would get really boring after a while. All that scrolling and punching and kicking. Like, can I just rest for a minute? Just read the credits and then you can do it. Galaxy Brains is produced by Kylie Holloway and me, Dave Schilling. The show is engineered by Dan Turek with music from Gautam Trickishin. Our executive producer is Matt Patches and our developing producer is Zach Mack. Polygon's editor-in-chief is Chris Plant and Russ Frustick is the director of special projects. Special thanks to Andrew Melnizik who helped create the show. Until next time, I'm Jonah. And I'm Dave. Take us home, Fraser Crane. Oh, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. No, toss salad and galaxy brains. Oh, my. Oh. And maybe I'm a bit confused. Well, I got you, Dave. Because I don't know what to do when I don't listen to Galaxy Brains. Our fans are calling again. Thank you for calling again. Good night. I love you, Internet.